Hi, I'm James P. Friel. And I'm Dean Holland. It's time to fasten your seatbelts, boys and girls. That's right. If you're an entrepreneur who's wanting to take your business to the next level and have a bit of fun while getting cutting-edge advice on your business, marketing, and sales, welcome to Just the Tips, arguably the best podcast in the entire world. I guess that's good, right? Yeah, that's good to me. All right. That was easy. That was the easiest thing we did all day. Yeah. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Just the Tips. This is your host, James P. Friel. I am very excited that you guys are here with us today. Just got a really cool story um, you know, from somebody who, out of just sheer will, perseverance, and effort, got himself pulled up by the bootstraps, created something absolutely amazing, and in the process, uh, you know, has just developed this great formula for creating an awesome culture inside of your business. But before we get to Alex... I want to introduce the one, the only, the Mr. Dean Holland from the United Kingdom. <laughs> yes, another day with you. Of course, a pleasure. <laughs> Good. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad to hear that your uh, your noble steed is just strong as ever to bring you into the studio. Yep, carried me through once again, as always. And now you're going to sure. carry me through the podcast. So I just get to <laughs> That's sit back right. and relax. That's awesome. Yeah. Actually, the uh, the chiropractor recommended a back brace for me for carrying all your dead weight all the time. So, so, so you're 100 percent right. I am about to carry you through this. That's why I'm wearing this back brace. Saddle up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dean just goes from one thing carrying him to the next. All right. Anyway, <laughs> without further ado, Alex Membrio of Cardinal Marketing Agency. How you doing, man? Yeah. Hey, good. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I don't know if you knew what you were getting yourself into, but there you go. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Dean sounds like he just left a Game of Thrones episode. We're (laughs) glad you made it through the season. (laughs) Yeah, I guess that's where we uh, we differ. I was like, you know, if Dean doesn't make it through the season, that's okay. (laughs) <laughs> Whoa! What's going on here? Well, I don't know. I'm just on. I'm just on a roll. Sorry. Yeah. Um, they never kill the secondary characters off. <laughs> That's right. Oh man, I don't know what stung worse. Um, so listen, Alex. Let's get into it, man. So here's one of the reasons I was so excited to have you um, have you on the show is you know you hear about uh, you know rags to riches stories and all this other stuff, but you started you know, when you had had a kid and you were on welfare and all of this stuff, and then ultimately grew your marketing company and even got named, uh, you know, top 40 under 40 by uh, Georgia State University. It was like, how does that happen? Well, I really, I think I get, should give all the credit to hiring a really smart PR company. They write really good applications. Some of it's true. And then I end <laughs> up winning some awards. But it really, <laughs> before we hired that PR company, it, it was just a ton of perseverance, man. And uh, when you're starting at 24, you don't know what the hell's going on in the world yourself, how business works. Like we didn't even know how to create invoices and what the hell Quick, QuickBooks was. When we sold our first client after making 100 cold calls a day, the day after my son was born, we're making 100 cold calls for like several weeks. Finally, this guy that owns an ice cream van uh, picks up the phone. He's like, yeah, I want a website. And we're like, sure, we do web design. Like, that's not really what we do. But yeah, let's, let's, go, <laughs> let's go over to your house <laughs> and pitch you. It's weird. And, uh, and so he signs the deal and we charged him tax. 
we charge them 7% tax on the $399 (laughs) website because we didn't know businesses weren't supposed to do that. So, um, you know, we were just, I think ignorance is uh, really useful in the beginning. We didn't know what the heck we were doing. And then as you progress, (laughs) you, uh, you figure out your own way of generating inbound leads. And we figured that out and got good at what we were doing, figured out what we were doing at some point and, uh, and just grew up from there and hired really good people that complemented my many weaknesses along the way. That's, uh, that's, that's amazing. I love the sales tax story. So, um, you know, so one of the things that I know I really want to dig into, dig into with you today was, you know, you've alluded to a really great team a couple of times, right? And like I think you have here on the podcast, James, <laughs> like I have a good team on the podcast. This, yeah. I feel like this should be a counseling episode. <laughs> Alex, can you help me figure out how to get a better team on the podcast here? I'm just like, it's me and Dean, and it just, it's just hard. Yeah, we got to go back to recruiting new characters. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, I'll make a note of that. So, um, But in all seriousness, how uh, how do you build that culture? Yeah, it's kind of unintentional to start. Uh, now we're trying to be more intentional about it. But because we're pretty small, uh, we run a lot of revenue per FTE and do a lot more revenue than you would think 12 people could do. But I, I, we do it because we have a really great group of people who are okay with working autonomously and all are A players. Uh, so it's a lot easier to define the culture when you give people a long rope and they decide what they want to do with it. And if they don't want to jump with the rope, then they walk themselves out of the company. Uh, and so the people that remained are all, are all A players and really great at what they do. And they've been with Cardinal for years. And they all just kind of vibe because we run the company together. They know how the financials work because I walk them through how a PL works every month. They also know our specific PL and how it gets manipulated with expenses going down and up and what affects profit. We comp people on that. We make sure they have a say in everything from what office we choose to what health insurance plan we go with. Uh, and so I think bringing especially this millennial generation that I'm a part of into the fray and making sure they not only understand their job, but what the business is there to do and how it makes money uh, creates the beginnings of a really great culture because they feel almost as bought in as the business owner does. So that that brings up the point you said millennials. Um, I think a lot of people find them uh, or like there's like all these things as, oh, millennials are difficult to work with. They're they're lazy to this and that, the other thing. But um, but you're you've you've done something that demonstrates the complete opposite. Can you talk yeah, about man, that? They really um, and I hate I hate uh, stereotyping any group of people. But generally, what I have found with a younger group, well, I guess we're not that young now. Almost thirty five years old. Um, <laughs> the years go fast. Yeah, just hang just they hang on lie, to but it. But the younger millennials that we have, I don't know, twenty six, twenty seven. But uh, generally, what I have found and why they why people think they're difficult isn't because they're difficult. They're just really different than the previous generations. We don't want to go clock in and clock out. We don't want to be told what to do. We want to have a say in how the company runs. We want to be part of a bigger vision, not just make money, but what are we contributing to the world? We want to understand how the company makes money, and we want to be a part of every decision that's going to be made. And we want to work when and where we want to. I don't want to go into an office every day. I want to work from Timbuktu or Spain for a week. And we allow all those things to happen. Uh, That's easier said than done in a smaller, uh, it's easier done in a smaller company like us if you have 2,000 employees. I've seen it work as well. My wife works for a 5,000 employee company, VMware, uh, and they predominantly work remotely. And it works, uh, especially with this generation. You give them the freedom. And if you hired right and you hired smart people, they'll run with it. 
Yeah, you see, I'm guessing there's a danger there of like hiring the wrong people and that process going Absolutely. wrong, right? <laughs> you have to hire for uh, for people that are independent. Like, so we screen on independence and uh, how much direction people need. If they need a lot of predictability and training and practicality and things like that, they're not going to be a fit for our agency because there's not going to be anyone to babysit. Uh, and so you have to hire for it. When you say, sorry, sorry, Alex, just, just to interject there real quick. When you say screen for independence, do you like, is that part of your interview process or do you actually have some sort of screen? No, there's no, well, yeah, we use best work data, uh, for personality screening. I put about 25% stock in those and 75% in intuition and how people answer questions. Uh, so we don't directly ask a question that says how much, like how much oversight do you want? Do you like to be micromanaged? Like everyone knows the answers to that, right? <laughs> and so uh, we kind of work around it by saying, what are you really passionate about? We match that with how passionate about the job they are. And then we talk about like how they typically work. Do they need a lot of assistance on tasks? Do they like to get from A to Z on their own? Or do they prefer a boss to show them how to do it first? Uh, so we kind of work around it. And the answers kind of come to the surface after enough questioning. Awesome. I I feel like maybe the millennials are more outspoken about that perhaps but don't you think on some level that is a a desire to like belong and understand how you fit in and where the purpose is coming from and get that sense of fulfillment that that everybody shares but some people have just been like you know oh it's not okay to talk about that and then you know this generation is like yeah like well why shouldn't we talk mm-hmm. about it yeah exactly they want a community like if you go to buffalo new york i was in buffalo new york and i don't know why you go there they had good hot wings and shit but um we were up there and i went into this bagel shop and i'm sitting in the bagel shop and i'm looking around there's a bunch of millennials running this place and i'm like i wonder who owns this and i see a sign on there that says this is a co-op it's run by the people and I ask more about it and they're like, yeah, there's like eight to 10 of us that we kind of went in and share the ownership of this and we make communal decisions. There's no CEO. And I thought that was really interesting. I've kind of modeled my company after that to where it's kind of a reverse org chart instead of me on top. And they all kind of roll up to me. I am on the very bottom. They all, it's like a circle of people and they, we do communal decisions and it runs like a co-op. Everybody wants to feel like they belong. Millennials were just have thick enough skin to say, I don't understand why we don't. Let's just make sure that we all talk about the things that matter here. And not only do we want to know how the business works, Alex, I want to make sure that we have some kind of greater good, that we're not just here to make money. And that's a big part of it too. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit more about how you set up your org structure? Because I think that's uh, that's a pretty big difference than what a lot of people are doing. Myself yeah, included. so we are only a dozen people. And so this will this is tougher to do as you scale to 50 plus. And we'll get there one day. Uh, but we run like a boutique agency. So this is much easier to do under 50, under 30 especially. So uh, if... What, like I said, you just invert the org chart. And I believe in servant leadership. I think it, that might have a religious tone. I'm not religious at all. I don't mean in any, anything like spiritual, but I mean servant in that I serve them, not the other way. I am there to make sure that I fulfill their needs and anything they need. And so what we'll do is any kind of big decision. I'll give you an example. This uh, Right after this call, I have to jet out to go look at new office space. Uh, we have a beautiful office, but our lease is up. They're asking for too much money. And so we're going to go in the city and look at a number of places. I'm bringing my head of client services going to come with me. But then when we narrow it down to two or three places, everybody will come and we will cast a vote. When we look to hire new employees, we sit around a round table after six interview sessions have been done. And we all cast a vote on whether we want to bring them into the flock or not. 
And everybody, and and in this in this situation, does everybody get an equal vote? No, I get, you know at the end of the day, I can veto it if I feel strongly about something. Then I have to make the decision. We can't run like a full co op. I, you know, I don't think that system would work well. At the end of the day, there does need to be a CEO who can make a decision. But we want everybody's voice heard. And if I feel, I don't even need a majority opposition. But if there's a strong enough tension there or strong enough opposition, then we'll regroup and you know find a different way forward as a group. Right. Mm, okay. That, nice. Interesting. Yeah. And and do you and like did you start it this way? Did the agency start with this in mind, or did you at some point decide that you wanted to transition to a management style more like? Yeah, this? we transitioned to this. So we started. It was more autocratic. I mean, we were always young, and we had the youngry folks. I call them young and hungry, and we've always been that way. And it was a family. But then we grew to like thirty, forty people, and I hired these directors and VPs, and the VPs hired directors, and the directors hired managers. And at the end of the day, I didn't know anybody. I didn't have a good feel for the work. And then I hired some people that are very autocratic and we kind of lost sense of the culture. And it was always like Alex passing down an edict and everyone had to follow it. And I hated that. I absolutely hated that. They hated that. And so I said, you know, we had to let people go three years ago and we started this new management style from there. And now we've got record revenues and profits. We're growing. We do three times the amount of revenue anyone with a dozen people would imagine doing at an agency. And so you get the level of buy-in that you would you could never imagine through a more traditional hierarchy. And because they're so bought in, they work so much harder. You have to pay them a little bit more. But the profits that you generate and the results for clients are unmatched by anybody our size. Right. And you've I mean, you've gone on the record saying something like as far as millennials are the greatest generation of workers ever. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I strongly believe that. I had a lot of trolls talking shit to me on LinkedIn when I posted that article. Dean, uh, that was really not very nice. <laughs> right? I just had a bad day. Yeah, okay. All right, all right. I get that. Yeah. And <laughs> it wasn't intended to talk any kind of smack about previous generations. Like, I appreciate what our fathers and grandfathers had to do, and they didn't have technology that enabled us to work remotely and all these fun things. It wasn't meant to be anything like that. But I feel like millennials can have and can transform the productivity of the world for many centuries to come because of the way that we want to work and we're showing the world how things should work. Let's say, you know, this is, I think this is a fascinating topic here because workforce and the people who are part of your company and your organization, everything like without those people, like you really don't have a whole lot, you know? And so the people are the most important part, but people are also generally the hardest part for any entrepreneur to get right. What do you what do you think the the key to making a transition where it's not necessarily like more like uh you know where it's not a dictatorship but you get the buy-in from everybody like if somebody is unhappy with their organization today and they already have a team and they're just like you know what I don't feel like there's a good enough culture I don't feel like everybody's bought into what we're doing what are the first steps that you would recommend for somebody to actually make that transition? Mm-hmm. Open up the kimono first and foremost. And you say, hey, listen, I don't like the way things are going. And we're going to change this thing. We're going to make decisions as a team. It might slow some things down. But you guys are going to be aware of every kind of financial decision we make, whether it's bringing on a client, we'll vote on that. Whether it's cutting or adding an expense, we'll vote on that. Whether it's adding adding an employee, we'll vote on that. If we change offices, we'll vote on that. And then every month, I'm going to send out the P&L we're all going to go through it as a team. The only thing you guys won't know are the salaries of each other, but we will roll it up into one thing and we will make decisions on how to run this company as a group. An entrepreneur or CEO is going to sit back and say, holy smokes, that's really going to slow things down. I don't really give a shit about the opinions of my lowest level people. Then you shouldn't have those lowest level people, in my opinion, because they are the ones often right. doing the grunt work that your higher level people won't do. And it's oftentimes the most productive stuff for the clients. 
so you either need to change your business model, or you need to be okay with slowing things down and getting the buy-in of everybody. The result you're going to see in the added work effort will, uh, in about three to six months, will more than make up for a little bit of slowing down. So, I mean, because slowing down, you know, understanding what you guys have done is going from like a super small shop to, you know, an Inc. 5000 company in several years in a row. That doesn't sound very slow. No, at the end of the day, so you slow down for about six months and then it's kind of like, I don't know, a slingshot. You're pulling it back, you're pulling it back, and then it just fucking go. I'm sorry. I don't know if you guys were on this. <laughs> it's like, hey, we have those and then it just ratings. Go- <laughs> and then it just goes because the team starts to run autonomously. When you do this, and we're several, eh, we're like three years in a running like this. Uh, when you get about a year into it, they no longer need your approval on things. They cut contractors, cut expenses on their own without letting you know. But you have to make sure you're comping them on these things. Anybody cuts an expense, an ongoing recurring expense, I give them the first month of that savings. Okay. Anything, any kind of revenue we add, I comp them on the revenue. I comp them on finding a client. I comp them heavily on profit share. I comp them on commissions. You have to make sure you're comping everybody and you have to make sure the base salaries that you're paying are slightly above market. If you do all of those things, uh, they start running the business on their own after a year. And then you're just really there to steer the ship and they row it, they paddle, they do everything for you. And they're bought in and they're happy about it. Yeah, absolutely. And if they ever do get grumpy, they know that someone else would be uh, very happy to take their spot. We haven't lost, uh, we lost one employee in the last 24 months, uh, that we wanted to keep. So it's, it's huge about retention. They know if they leave, they can't get paid more anywhere else. They probably won't be happy. They just need to get through the sore spot that they're at. Have you ever had it where, you know, somebody is just not a good fit and then like the tribe votes them off the Island, so to speak? Yeah. Yeah. And we will literally do that shit on Survivor where you like turn over the cup over the flame. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the tribe has spoken. Get the hell out. Um, and so, yes, they basically like if there's a weak performer or somebody that's not bought in, I think you'll find that in the first year of running like this. Somebody just oftentimes you're going to have a few people at the company that kind of they don't want to know the financials. They don't want to be comped on all these things. They want to come in, clock out, do their work for eight hours. See you later. They don't want to be a part of this whole movement, right? And we had a number of those. The flock or the tribe will push them out kind of without you needing to. They will. It will become clear in about six months that they don't fit in anymore and they will go free themselves up for other opportunities, if you will. But does that like, does that create like a clicky, like gossipy, like, oh man, I got to like look over my shoulder because like the tribe's hunting me now sort of environment or, or is it very like, is it very obvious to everyone that that individual doesn't fit? It's obvious to everyone. It's obvious to them. And if I see that it is becoming clicky, I will let them go as soon as I see that happening. And oftentimes they were waiting for me to do it. So you just got to be on top of Mm -hmm. it. If it's clear, it's not a fit. Don't let people start attacking each other. But once everybody's on the same page, like you just have to recruit people that align with your culture. That means you have had to define your culture. You bring people into that and they run autonomously. That's awesome. And and so as far as like as far as the way that you, you know, you comp everybody, you know, everybody's seeing the financials and and that's awesome because there's transparency there. Are you comping them on you know, like, do you have a bonus pool that's like a percentage of net profit or like, how do you, how do you guys do that? Yeah. Um, depending on what profit levels we hit, if we're above 20% for the month, 30, 40%, depending on that, they get kind of like bonuses that go higher and higher. Uh, some of the months are just crazy because we'll collect fees for a year. All of a sudden we don't run at 40%. You're not doing good enough work if that's the case, but, uh, yeah, they're comped on the profit and it's not a pool. It's not a shared pool. It's done individually. Uh, so that, 
um, nobody kind of feels weird that maybe someone that just started getting a similar thing to them. So we're careful about that. But not only are they comped on the profit, any kind of uh, incremental growth that they drive for clients, we make sure to reward them. At the end of the day, that's what we're here to do is drive more business to our clients. And so like uh, with with all of that said, is there, you know, I'm, I imagine there are roles that are more critical to the business and then there are roles that are less critical mm-hmm. to the business or do you perceive all like as a very egalitarian and all of the roles have equal importance they just happen to be different do you compensate you know you know cuz somebody who is you know doing an incredibly specialized skill you know would that person get you know a, a bigger piece of the compensation or or is it not like that we don't run the profit, your base salary and your commission comps on growing clients and your book of business. That is comped individually based on how effective you are at your job. I comp on merit, not on tenure. I don't care how long yeah. you've been at Cardinal. I just care how effective you are while you're here. Uh, that being said, someone that's super specialized, uh, they'll be comped differently on the base and the commissions on the profit. It is egalitarian. Everybody gets the same amount of profit because I feel like we are all contributing. Could that change when we get to 30 plus people and you have people like that just started, they shouldn't get the same amount of profit share? Absolutely. When you're 10 people, you kind of want everybody bought in, just share the pot with everybody and then you'll figure it out after. Hmm. Do you think... Um, I'm I'm just fascinated by by your success with this. Do you think that as you grow the you know 10 or 12 people that you have right now, if you add another 10 or 12 people... Do you think that original 10 or 12 people is going to feel like the original group and have some sort of like uh, bonding together that's going to be difficult for those other people as they come in? Certainly, it's going to take some... We are a very close-knit family. And people say, ah, businesses aren't like family. The fuck they're not. I fired brothers and sisters. I fired fathers from being fathers for a while. You know, it's no different, in my opinion. (laughs) You threw pinball machines (laughs) at people, for the love of God. Yeah, I got them thrown at me. I threw them back. Um, so, um, yeah. So for the most part, um, when people, when new people come in, we have a very long interview process. It is really hard to become a flocker. Uh, and so it takes a long time and we walk them through the culture. You'll meet with everybody. We had a happy hour on Tuesday night where we brought in someone that is going to be starting, but hasn't even started. And we had someone that had just been there for a day. And, uh, at that happy hour, like, Hey, we're going on a group trip, uh, for our 10 year anniversary. We're calling it Alex's fire fest. And we're going to invite all of our spouses and everything. So it's like a very tight knit community. If you bring people into that, then, you know, it's not really, you're not going to have as much of a culture shock. You just got to bring them in immediately and not let the clicks form. Right. So just out of interest, quick question. I was recently reading something about certain companies starting to now test, like not having set working hours or set amounts of holiday and things like vacation time each year? Like, is that something that you do? It sounds like that kind of vibe that you might do yeah. that or no? Yeah. Great question, Dean. Uh, so we, thanks. Yeah, thanks, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> James doesn't <laughs> tell you that enough. I'd like to second that. <laughs> Dean, that was an all-star question. Let's see, You were ragging I, on him. I there all the time, but when I am, I save it for the good stuff. That's right. You were ragging on him. I want to... <laughs> James was talking shit to you on one of the previous ones saying, Dean, I haven't heard a question from you the whole podcast. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. So going back to your question, um, we have unlimited PTO. Now, some of the flockers will tell you, Alex, you have unlimited PTO, but you just like work us so hard that we never could take the time. So it's like you're kind of full of shit. (laughs) So the goal is, but they laugh about it because they're voluntarily working a ton. 
because they're comped on it, because they're highly motivated. We have only eight players that really want to grow and learn, uh, but we have unlimited PTO. And oftentimes I'll pay for their vacation. I say, get the hell out of here. You've been working too hard. What we do ask though, because we have so much flexibility, we only go in the office two days a week. You have all of this flexibility at Cardinal. We say, hey, listen, while you're on your vacation, you may have to keep some plates spinning. Check your email once a day. Like, don't leave a sign dry. There's no one else here that can do your job. Uh, so you can't totally tune out. But I think you'll find most millennials are totally okay with that. If you let them work from home three days a week and you give them unlimited PTO, they're fine with checking in and working for an hour to help their comrades once a day. There's no problem with that. Yeah. Yeah, I love this. This is awesome. It's very, very different to a lot of like mm-hmm. traditional stuff. Yeah. Dean, I, I, uh, you know, we've talked about the pl- the fact that you know I'm looking for the podcast co-hosts and all that, but I do believe that uh, he's pitching you right now. That's what's happening. Well, the more this show's gone on, the more I'm like actually tuning out from you, James. Like I'm Team Alex right now. Like there is zero benefit to me sticking with you. I'm not. I'm not feeling anything anymore. You see your? Do you see yourself as a future flocker? I'm. I'm already there. I'm half flocking right now. <laughs> let's not let's not find out about that so <laughs> um well i i had uh i, I didn't necessarily know what what direction the show was going to go but i feel like this whole concept of this management style is is very interesting do you think there's a middle ground alex where you can kind of like get the best of you know certain aspects or do you think you just have to like go all in to this way that you guys I am are not doing a, I'm not a middle of the road kind of guy. I go all in and then deal with the ramifications of that. And I got a lot of pushback and we're learning new things every day, but all in has worked so well for me. Now, bigger companies, I cannot go all in on this. They can't have communal decisions on everything they do. Uh, but you can share the financials. You can walk through it with your entire company. You can give unlimited PTO. You can give some work from home days. You can help pay for someone when they're out on maternity and pay for diapers and things. You can do a lot of these things. You may not be able to take it as far as a small company can, but sure, there is a middle of the road that would work. Well, before we wrap up, Dean, do you have any other all-star questions? Oh, you can't ask me that. Now I just offloaded such greatness. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, to be honest, like I, I, I'm honestly like fascinated with this and it, it makes perfect sense but it's like it, it it feels to me like one of those things that you hear and you're like oh that 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 works for you it could never work for me but I, i'm not saying that from my perspective but i'd imagine there's probably people listening to this now that the whole concept sounds amazing but like scares the crap out of them i mean what what would you say as a starting point just in maybe like you know like a few bullet point pieces that you could give to someone if someone's liking the sound of this but it scares the crap out of them mm-hmm. like what what would you say to begin taking some steps yep, that good. way good another good question who knew so we- <laughs> save the gold save the gold so-, so i would i would i'd have to say the first step you could take because i think if someone's listening to this they they have a little bit of a feeling that the culture is not quite right why is it not quite right why don't you go sit down with your colleagues and stop calling them your employees and you go sit down with your colleagues and your peers and you say hey guys i don't feel like we're on the same page what do you guys think we're missing what am i not doing what more transparency could i provide so don't go with my way don't listen to how i do it go ask your team how they like to see things done and go read some books on how this is done. And then kind of just piecemeal. Maybe you don't send out the PL first. Maybe you just make some communal decisions on uh, new people you want to bring on and expenses to cut and things like that. Start small. I would also advise you not only have that team meeting, but you start having one-to-ones with everybody in your company. 
I have one-to-ones with everybody in my company at least once a month. I've, did not, I've done that for the last two years. I have to start turning it down now as we grow. But start doing that if you're trying to repair your culture. You're going to find out a lot. They're going to get to know you on a human level. They're going to understand when you make decisions they don't like. And they're going to provide the feedback in those group meetings that you need to hear. Because right now, you're not having those one-to-one meetings uh, hardly at all with your lower-level people. And they may not speak up in that group meeting and you need them to. Yeah. Good stuff. I love it. Great answer. Great question as well. Great question. (laughs) Yeah. Just uh, no, keep clapping it up, Dean. (laughs) But no, that was awesome. Love it. Alex, you know, I, uh, I'm, I'm almost, I am, I'm not almost, I am disappointed that you haven't written a book on this. Oh man. Yeah. It's too busy having contractors write my other book on medical marketing. Maybe I'll get some. Which is not nearly as exciting no, it's to not, me. Neither. It's not to me either. I will say this, though. Someone called in this week and said, hey, I read your book on Amazon. I was like, cool, man. What What was in there? <laughs> so you can get all kinds of great stuff done on Upwork. Uh, but yes, one day the book will come on this. I've done a lot of speeches and things. I'm very passionate, but usually people want to talk about marketing. This was far more interesting to me than talking about marketing. Well, uh, well, it's been absolutely amazing having you on the show, Alex. Yeah, um, yeah. Thanks for uh, thanks for jumping in. I appreciate you uh, making an attempt to recruit Dean. Will make my job a little bit easier as I replace my replace him. Successful. He's secretly successful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Dean's not going to show up on the next show. Right. <laughs> be like, Dean, are you coming? He's like, No, I'm I'm with Alex now. I'm a flock. <laughs> I'll be like, Man, that happened really fast. Um, but uh, but in all seriousness, thanks so much for being here. I really appreciate the uh, the, the insight into this uh, you know alternative and very very transparent way mm. of managing your business. And uh, for for our listeners, thank you guys for so much for tuning in. We will uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. Later, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Just the Tips, where we believe business should be profitable and fun. For show notes, links, and other information on our guests, visit justthetipshow.com. For more information on how to connect with Dean Holland, visit deanholland.com. And if you'd like to get free from the day-to-day operations of your business while making more money, visit me at jamespfreel.com forward slash autopilot. Our theme music is Happy Happy Game Show by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 License.